Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. What a great presence of the Lord we feel in this house here tonight. If you would join me this evening in the book of Ecclesiastes, we'll read one portion of scripture. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 10. While you're finding that, aren't you thankful that you made a concerted effort to be in the house of the Lord tonight? We can never discount the, the strength, the power, the anointing that we get when we make the effort. God is always going to fulfill his promise and meet us here. Ecclesiastes 7 and 10, the Bible says, Say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these. For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these. And for just a few moments tonight, I want to talk to us from this subject. Your next days are your best days. Your next days are your best days. You can be seated this evening. Thank you for standing. Thank you for your worship. God is good. Say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these. I suppose we've all been guilty. Maybe guilty might be a strong word or perhaps too harsh of a word. I'll try it this way. Maybe we've all been susceptible to perhaps being nostalgic. Maybe maybe even at times uh, over, over nostalgic about certain things. I know that guilt is probably a harsh word, but certainly susceptible. Primarily, we become nostalgic about our past, longing for yesteryear, pining for days gone by, as if to say they were a simpler time or maybe a more, a more innocent time. I, I can stand confident and know that there are probably more than one of us here tonight that's, that's, if not uttered it out loud, but at least thought it, what it would be like to be a kid again. Oh, to be young again. Perhaps you've traveled backwards in your mind to a time that you perceive to have been more enjoyable or maybe, maybe less stressful. I mean, that is, after all, what prompts those particular trips in our mind. I, I suppose that it's, it's often overwhelmed, overworked, stressed. It's quiet, but I, can, I, I, I feel the witness. Demands of our newfound societal structure that connects us to the ever-present responsibilities of life. If you're not in that 
boat. Maybe, maybe it's the, 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 the fabric of our world, the, 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 the landscape of our society that perhaps you've taken a look at, the decay that we see in our world, the lack of moral fabric, the, the great gulf of sin that, that, that has degraded the good character of mankind. It's enough to make one say, I wish we could just go back to the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. We've all said that. We've all used that, that phrase, the good old days. It's, it's, it's a common phrase. In fact, it's a cliche. It's in popular culture and it's often used to reference a time considered by the speaker to be better than the current era. It's a, a form of nostalgia which can reflect homesickness or yearning or long gone moments. You know, science has a word for everything, and, 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 and pop culture and, and uh, psychology has a term for just about anything you can think of, and there is a scientific term interestingly named rosy retrospection. Anybody ever heard of that? It sort of kind of sounds like a, uh, my mind's going blank here, but uh, a water boy is not a water boy anymore. He's an aquatic engineer. Rosy retrospection. It sounds cool, but it really is not. It's just you're longing for the good old days. But they've termed it, and it is a form of survivorship bias. It, it's for people that view the past more favorably, the, the present more negatively, and the future formidable. For example, rosy retrospection can cause you to remember only the enjoyable parts of a family vacation that you went on as a kid. Rosy retrospection can, can, can have you remember your college years as being more fun than they actually were or, or overestimate how much you enjoyed a concert that you went to a while ago. You don't remember the loud parts of it. You just remember the good parts. But all in all, the study, the, the, the name, the term is, is, is really implying that it is completely unhealthy and unnatural to think this way. And so since we're talking about spiritual things tonight, let's apply this spiritually here tonight. Spiritually speaking, this type of thinking can present somewhat of a danger, spiritually speaking. You see, time has a way of distorting truth. Time has a way of distorting memories. Time can make memories become fuzzy. And as human beings, we have the tendency to remember in extremes. Ecclesiastes 7 and 10, the writer said, Say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these. Another translation says, Say not why were the former days better than these, for it is not from wisdom that you ask this. You see, Ecclesiastes was written by someone who had experienced all the wealth, all the power, all the fame, and to the greatest extent possible in the ancient world. In its entirety, it's certainly at a cursory review or a first glance, it can seem like the entire book is about the meaninglessness of life. 
But a deeper dive, a deeper look reveals its focus is really on recognizing and appreciating the truly satisfying elements of our existence now. You see, by this time, the author of of the book of Ecclesiastes has found and encourages us also to find that God is God and His blessings are sure and that we should find His blessings even in the midst of the realities of life. Even in the midst of them, in the now, if I can say it like that, rather than focusing on what we may think have been. Remember, we remember in extremes. Throughout their 40-year journey through the wilderness, the children of Israel did exactly that. They continued to load the present and long for the past of Egypt. Numbers 11 and 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish. We did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. They remembered the fish, but they forgot about the whips. Somehow in their mind, they rewrote history and clung to the extremes of the only good in Egypt. They remembered the cucumbers. They remembered the melons. And they remembered the leeks. But they interestingly forgot about the taskmasters. They remembered the onions. But they miraculously forgot about the turmoil and the oppression that the Egyptians placed upon them and the threat of death and the and the absolute rigor that they lived their life through. They remembered the garlic, but they conveniently forgot the fact that they cried out to God in their pain and in their agony, desperately wanting to be relieved of their suffering and delivered from their bondage. And He reached out to them and did so. And so can I tell you here tonight, it is safe to say that the good old days were certainly not in their past and their good old days were certainly not in their best interest nor were they their best days. And I'll just get to the point right here in the onset tonight. Neither are yours. They were not their best days. Their good old days were not behind them and neither are ours because our best days are not behind us. Our best days, I can confidently tell you, are in front of us. Our best days are not long ago. We're not looking back. We are looking forward because our best days are yet to come. I'm just going to stay here for a minute until you believe it with me. I'm not going to look back at what I used to be or where I used to be and somehow get in my mind some fuzzy recollection of who I was or where I was and somehow think that it was better than where I am right now. My best days are not behind me. My best days and your best days are ahead of you. They are ahead of you. And so looking back and thinking backward is unproductive. 
You see, this type of thinking produced some amazingly unconventional and quite really inconceivable actions in the children of Israel. Numbers 14 and 2 through 4, the Bible says, And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And, the, and wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. What a perplexing concept. What a frightening thought to know that their thinking had gotten them into a position to actually try and turn around and go back to who and what they used to be. And in fact, had it not been for Aaron and had it not been for Moses interceding for them, they had a mind to return to the very thing that caused them so much anguish to begin with. And so it is without cause. It is not without cause. Rather, that we see this reoccurring and this predominant thing in Scripture. The admonishment, the directive, the command to always be forward thinking and forward looking. Because looking back will get you nowhere. It's unproductive. Looking back is counterproductive, in fact, to what the Spirit and the will of God intends for each and every one of us here tonight. It not only works against the will of God, hear me now, it works backward from the will of God. And so can I tell you here tonight that no matter where you are, no matter what your age is, I, I speak to you with great deference and respect. It does not matter if you are 8 or 80. It doesn't matter where you are in life or whether what, what, you, what you are or who you are. It doesn't matter. Forward looking and forward thinking is the only way to be and that is in the only direction to go. Jesus taught this and he exampled it himself. Luke 9 and 62. And Jesus said unto him, speaking to the would-be disciple, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. This simply means that you're not ready if you're always looking back. If you put your hand to something and you're looking back, you are not ready and you in no wise can be ready. And so here, right here, we find Jesus and his followers. They encounter three would-be disciples. The first, a zealous and perhaps even over-eager to follow Jesus in the first place without counting the cost and not realizing that Jesus' itinerant ministry had rendered him homeless. He attempted to follow him without any proper forethought whatsoever. However, in stark contrast, a second wished to delay following him to attend a family obligation. But Jesus' urgent calling had to take precedent. And now the last, the one we just spoke about, and the most pertinent to us here tonight, wished to say goodbye to his family first. Perhaps it was, it was very reminiscent of Elijah's permit to allow Elisha to do the same thing in, in 1 Kings. However, nevertheless, Jesus' analogy is true. A farmer who peered backwards when plowing could not... 
this is very simple. He, he, he simply could not plow in straight rows. And so under the new order, the new order of discipleship, longing for one's life in the past, in the old, would render one incapable of fully pursuing God's calling. We're not getting very deep tonight. We're not going very deep. So if you think it's going to get any deeper than this, you're probably, you're probably going to be very, very sadly mistaken in the end. But, but looking back, in, in very simplistic terms, looking back, you can't walk forward. Looking back will hinder your forward progress. You simply cannot walk forward by constantly looking back. And you cannot successfully move forward correctly by constantly peering over your shoulder. And so no matter how good or seemingly good or even how bad of what we may be looking back to can I tell somebody here tonight we have more to look forward to than we ever have to look back to Hebrews 12 wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set not behind us but before us looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy hear it now that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand and so here's the fact simplistic I'm just a simple guy. We can't go back even if we wanted to. You can't. Time stops for no one. Time stops for no man. Time stops for no woman. Time stops for no child. Time stops for no elder. Can I get an amen? All men have a limited amount of time and so I very simply want to preach here tonight our time each and every one of us, no matter who you are, whether you have no hair, black hair, or gray hair, it doesn't matter. Your time is now. Your time is right now because there has never been a better time than right now. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow isn't here yet and all we have is right now and there's no better time than now. I'll say it again. Our time Time is now because our tomorrows will be better than our yesterdays. One English author and novelist said this, What necessity is there to dwell on the past when the present is so much surer, the future so much brighter? And so I'm looking at some people here tonight that your future is so bright, you ought to put on some sunglasses here because your future is your best days. Your next days are your best days. Your time is now. It's not yesterday. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 118, This, 
this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And so I don't want you to get the wrong idea here tonight about me or about what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to disparage anyone's heritage or knock anyone's past. I'm thankful for my own heritage. I'm thankful for a grandmother who received this truth sitting on a, on a pew somewhere reading the Word of God and God revealed oneness to her. He revealed baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptism in Jesus' name to her. I'm thankful for my past and my heritage, but I'm even more thankful for right now. I'm thankful for what God has done in my yesterdays. I'm thankful for everything He's done in our yesterdays, but I'm thankful for today. Why? Because I possess today. I know that's hard. I know we don't like to think that way, but yes, I possess today, and I'm thankful for the hope that's in tomorrow. Why? Because I'm confident in the one who holds my tomorrows. I have today and He has my tomorrows and with that in mind I'm going to rejoice in today. I'm going to look at nothing else but right now and know that God has my today and my tomorrow. And that is no matter what today may be. You see it's easy it's easy to look at certain circumstances. It's real, real, real easy to look at current situations. It's real easy to look at that and bemoan today. Oh yeah. You see, I know what I'm talking about. It's easy to look at what's going on right now. Especially when things aren't going quite like you thought they would. It's easy to look at those situations and bemoan today and long for yesterday. Now, I promise you, I'm not trying to diminish. I'm not trying to degrade or downplay anyone's current circumstance in this house tonight. Please, please, please don't think that. This is also what Solomon is addressing in Ecclesiastes 7 and 8. He said, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these, for thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. While suffering adversity, a person might determine or to be tempted to live in a way that is somewhat beneath what God intends. One might become impatient or perhaps even be provoked to anger or complain about his lot in life, longing for the good old days in the light of some sort of successful or perceived successful beginning, one could become proud or haughty or in the, on the other side of that, in the midst of a struggle or, or, or in less than desirable circumstances, one could become bitter or half-hearted. What Solomon is saying is that all these actions and all these attitudes are essentially contrary 
to the submissive attitude that he would later imply in the view of God's sovereignty in verse 13. Therefore, Solomon said, they, those actions, that thinking is foolish and unwise. And I feel like saying this again. I put it in my notes twice because of it. Again, I cannot stress to you enough how I am not content to diminish anyone's current circumstance. I am standing right there with you. And maybe not in the same exact circumstance, but certainly in not the same, not in the same situation, but certainly in, in, a, in a capacity to be able to sympathize and empathize with what you may or may not be going through here tonight. But what I can tell you unequivocally and emphatically, I know that I know that I know that Jesus came and in his words to give life and that they might have life more abundantly. I still believe that they are just as true today as they were with the day that the Apostle Paul penned the words in Romans 8 and 28. He said, and we know, and we know, not wonder, not think, not perceive, but we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to His purpose. And so can I say this tonight? Maybe you're not, you, this doesn't apply to you here tonight. Maybe it applies to someone that's wa that was watching online here tonight. But can I tell you it may not look great right now. It may not be all rosy in your life right now. And yesterday may feel somehow better than it really was because of it. But Jesus came to give life and He came to give life more abundantly. Not life yesterday. Not life five years ago. Not life ten years ago. But life today. And life more abundantly right now. That whatever may be in your past or whatever may be in your future or your present. If we can just keep our eyes on Him. If we can just keep our eyes on the it will beget a brighter future. It will. This is not some cheerleading thing. I am here tonight. I, I feel under the directive of the Spirit of God to tell somebody your tomorrows will be better than your yesterdays if you take advantage of right now. It won't be easy. But if you can live with that knowledge, you can affect your right now. It, it may not be all rosy. It may not be the greatest walk you've ever walked. But it can affect your right now. And by living in today with that knowledge and not bemoaning your current state, you can affect your today. And by, by design, you will affect your tomorrow in a more perfect and positive way. By living in today, we sign simultaneously live for tomorrow. You see, living life today to the fullest extent possible and making the most out of every opportunity will affect your tomorrows. Oh yes, it will. 
That's not some that's not some philosophical mindset. That's the word of God. If you'll just walk in his ways, he will order your steps in his word and he will affect your tomorrows and your tomorrows can be brighter than anything that you can imagine. And so you've got to live with that in your mind. I've got to live with that in my mind to live life to the fullest and not waste a moment to live the the words of Ephesians 5 and 15 see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil wherefore be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit that sounds like right now speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks Thanks. Somebody say it with me. Always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so don't waste another moment. Don't waste another minute. Don't waste another moment to lift someone up. Don't waste another moment to be a witness of God's grace and mercy. Don't waste another moment to allow your light to shine in this world no matter what is going on. And so that's how we live. That's how we live with a right now attitude. And that's how we live with a future focus. Our future depends. Hear me now. I'm not a novice, okay? Please, please just give me a little difference here. But, but, but our future depends, really. It really does on what we do with right, right now. Our future, our tomorrow depends on where our mind is right now. Our future depends on what we do with today. And our ability to continue on absolutely depends on what we do with right now. Because what you sow today will inevitably be reaped in the future. And so, we, we, know, what, how, we know what to do. We, we talked about what we need to do. A forward focus, a, a, a living in today attitude. But how, how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. First and foremost, I believe in my heart that we need more than anything. We need prayer. That's how we live in today. We need prayer. We need prayer. Scripture teaches us that prayer should be a constant Scripture admonishes us that we should live in a state of ongoing and persistent prayer. Ephesians 6 and 18, praying always, always with all prayer and supplication in the faith, in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Colossians 4 and 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. And so we must pray. If we're going to live with right now, we must pray. Somebody said, how much should we pray? Somebody asked TFT, uh, TFT, 
repenting that one time. Said, how much and how long should we pray? He said, well, I might not be able to pray 30 minutes straight, but I never go 30 minutes without praying. And so that's how much we ought to pray. We might not be able to stay in a prayer room for an hour or two hours or three hours, but we ought not to let five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes pass by without saying, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I need your help with this, Lord. I need you to guide my steps and order my way. God, I need you. Prayer should be a resort. Prayer prayer should never be rather a, a resort. Prayer should be our identity. Prayer should be our lifestyle. Prayer is what we reach for first. It's not a consolation. It's not an afterthought. I'm not against going to the doctor, but we don't go to the doctor first. We first lay hands and we say, God, we need you. And you know how many fevers have broken? You know how many how many stomach aches have gone away? We haven't had to go to the emergency room. We haven't had to, 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 to pay copay after copay after copay because our resort is not in man. It is in God and we know it's through prayer. Prayer got us here. How many can say amen to that? Prayer got us here. And hear me now. I mean, I mean, great deference to, to, the, to prayer meetings in our past. We've had some mighty prayer meetings in our past. But I'm here to tell you tonight, we've not experienced our greatest prayer meeting yet. We have not experienced our greatest prayer meeting yet. We've not reached the zenith of what God can do and what prayer can do and what God can accomplish through us and in us through prayer. John 14 and 12, Jesus Jesus said, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he will do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And so here tonight, I'm just admonishing us one more time. Let's pray. Let's just keep on praying. Let's pray with boldness. Let's pray with fervent persistence, because God can and God will do great things and greater through our prayer. And so we can't talk about prayer without talking about prayer with praise and worship. I want to talk about worship. I want to use praise and worship a little interchangeably, so just give me a little attitude here. We must, hear me, we must, and I know you know this, but we must worship. We cannot we cannot go without prayer and we cannot go without worship. We can make our present greater than our past by our worship. That's why David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In his darkest hour, after the news of yet another loss, and on the heels of a messenger of the hardest thing that he would ever hear in his life, the Bible says of Job that Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down on the ground and worshipped. And said, naked came I out, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed 
be the name of the Lord. Now that sounds real easy standing here and reading it off a piece of paper. But you get in that situation yourself and you prostrate yourself on the ground before God. No matter what might be going on in your life. And you'll see these words come to life. How easily he could have levied the accusation. How relentlessly could he have lodged his complaint. Yet he chose to position himself in the forward prostrate posture of worship I can tell you today without without fail and without hesitation that your worship and your praise it can change the atmosphere hear me I'll say it again your praise and your worship can change the atmosphere around you it does not say that everything is okay in your world it does not dismiss the pain or the perplexity of your situation but it can change the atmosphere around you and it can absolutely give strength to others who are walking through their own turmoil and their own tumult you were created to worship you were created to worship you were called to open up your mouth and let your fruit of your lips rise unto God in absolute strength to those around you. That's why the psalmist didn't stop with, I I will praise the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He didn't stop there. He went on to say, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. And so I'm here to tell you tonight that you make your present greater than your past by lifting up your voice and crying out to God in worship and in praise to Him. And I wonder if there's somebody in this house here tonight that will do that. Will lift your hands and will lift your voice and let the praises of God's people ring out because you can make your your present greater You can make it greater by your praise and by your worship. Come on, I know it's Wednesday night, but we got some praise in us. We've got some worship in us. We've already exuberated it. We've already let it out once tonight. What would hurt if we do it again? We just lift our voice and we just tell God, you're good. You're great. No matter what, you're still on the throne and you are God and God alone. You've already made your present greater just by being here tonight. You've already made today greater no matter what went on 10 minutes or 10 hours ago. You've already made today greater than your yesterday by coming into the presence of God and lifting up your voice to magnify Him. That's why the writer of Hebrews said it's loaded not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner 
of some is we were made to worship. And we were made to worship together. We were made in the likeness and the similitude of God. We were made to worship Him. And we were made to do it together. And we ensure our future is brighter by never missing an opportunity to do so. Notice I said opportunity. I'll, I'll, I'll just qualify that. There's no, there's no shame here. Sometimes you just can't make it to church. I understand the opportunity. If we have the opportunity, I want to make every moment of every opportunity to come together and worship God. Now, I'm closing. Our musicians can come. But that word ends in an I-N-G, not an E-D. I'm closing. I am not closed. So we are called to pray. We are called to worship. That's pretty good, wasn't it? That was good. We're called to worship and we are called for such a time as this. We are not called for yesterday. We're called for right now. We were not called to live in the dark ages. And we were not called to live in the 18th century. We are called to live and work and be part of the, the greatest church that the 21st century has ever seen. And we are called to be a part of not only the church, but we are called to be a part of this church. We were called to be the part that we are to be in this church and to be the greatest church that this community and this world has ever seen. And so I'm telling you here tonight that everything that you do and everything that you are is needed and is essential and you are valued. Your presence is needed. Your best is needed. If you make this day the best that it can be, you will contribute to me making my best day the best that it can ever be. And then we can make our day the best that it can ever be. And if you'll give, and if I will give, God will give. It's a principle. I know some have used this for money. And I know that God here in this moment in this scripture is talking about mercy. But it is a principle. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down and shaken together and running over shall men give in to your bosom. But here is the crux of the matter. All we have is now. That's it. And so quite a bit of time we've spent here tonight. Quite a bit of time, I'm certain at this point, we've expended talking about our tomorrows. But there are no guarantees. We can't go backward, and we can't speed up or slow down any time to affect our coming days. But what we do have, what we do have, and what we have quite a bit of control over is right now. Now possibly you don't feel that way right now, and I hope that I'm not holding you hostage. But you have control over 
right now. You have control over where your mind goes right now. You have control over where your feet will go right now. You have control at right now. Not yesterday and not tomorrow, but now. And now, I'm here to tell you, my friend, moment by moment and second by second and minute by minute is ending. I-N-G. And in my notes, it says end. E-N-D. So stand with me as I end. I'll close with this. And please pardon the personal reference. Just a few days ago, my wife and I attended a funeral of a next-door neighbor. A day or so before the funeral was to take place, and I'm not trying to capitalize on this moment, simply just to bring attention to what we're talking right now. We begin to speak and talk, communicate about our schedule, and the conversation goes to where it normally goes into that type of conversation. How old was she? She's 79. Now, in the year 1992, 79 to me would have been a long way off. But in a moment of time, and this is not to capitalize, I promise you this went through my mind. But in a moment of time, I thought to myself, 79, that's not old. It's not. And I, this is not, this is not self, I'm not trying to promote me, okay? Just the moment of time I thought, I'm over halfway there. I'm over halfway, not halfway, not just there. I'm over halfway. Now, my wife is not easily shook. I don't know if y'all know her or not, but she's pretty solid. She doesn't get shook very easy, but. I get shook. I didn't tell her this. This was all going on in here. There's a lot going on in here you don't know about. It's constantly wheels turning. And for a moment, I thought, wow, I'm over halfway there. And then I began to turn around to look. Where has the time gone? And I'm going to use the word guilty for me. I use susceptible for you. I'm going to use guilty for me. I begin to think, wow, I wish I could just go back. Am I the only one that's ever thought that? If I could just go back. You look at everything that's going on in the world today and you think back to, to some bygone era and you think it was so much simpler back then. Yeah, it probably was, but they died at the age of 40, cholera, and all kinds of stuff. And if you really thought about it, if the memories weren't so fuzzy, even in your own childhood, this world, this world didn't start yesterday. It didn't start getting bad yesterday. It's been bad. 
But for a moment, I just began to pine a little bit. Just to kind of long a little bit. But then, ever so lightly, a little fog lifted. And I thought I was coming out of it. Because I'm looking backwards and I'm like, where did the time go? But then I think, I'm over halfway there. If the time that has gone goes as fast in the future as it has already, oh my word. Sober realization that what is in front of me is a smaller window than what's behind. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. But then I promise you, I'm standing here flat-footed to tell you, all of a sudden, relief came over me. And that frustration left me because I realized I might not be able to go back <laughs> and I might not have a whole lot of time in the future, but I have right now. I've got right now and I can do something with right now. And so I just begin, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for everything that you've done in my life. I want to live for you. I want to do right for you. I want to be who you've called me to be and so can I tell you here tonight we don't have yesterday and we might not have tomorrow but what we do have is right now so we must live in the now not looking back longingly but looking forward confidently to ensure that the next generation if the Lord tarries will have a now as well because what you do right now will affect them and I feel confident that if we will live with that sobering thought in our minds if we will do that our next days will be our best days if we'll just give God everything we have right now your next days will be better than your last day your next day will be brighter than your today if you'll just live with today in mind and so in these closing moments would you just lift your hands to heaven and would you just pray and would you just ask God to help you to live right now Lord I love you and I thank you for your word I thank you for your promises that are true that are forever settled in heaven your word God will not pass away heaven and earth will pass away time will fade but your word is established forever in the heavens and so Lord we stand faithful and true on that word here tonight to know that you have our tomorrows if we will wisely use what we have today touch us Lord anoint us help us God to do what you've called us to do in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 
or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.